Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the JHAM special where I love to talk about Warhammer 40k, Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, and other aspects of my nerdy life. This episode is going to focus on Warhammer 40k and how to foster a healthy playgroup or wargaming group for this awesome game. In my time of just being a nerd, there's been a lot of times where I have been trying to be the focal point to help out my friends and enjoying the hobbies that I enjoy. It's a little selfish, yes, uh, but the thing is, is you want to make sure you surround yourself with people who are going to enjoy the same things that you do as well, too, to kind of have that common denominator, and it helps building relationships as well, too. You know, whether or not it's me going through in different video games that I enjoyed, or LAN parties, if it was Magic the Gathering, or Dungeons and Dragons, or even now Warhammer 40k, a big focus and emphasis of mine has been to go through and bring new people over to the hobbies that I enjoy, and also to create an awesome relationship for us as well too, so that we have a fun time and a go-to group that we can go through and play together. So if you're interested and excited to be informed about how I go about fostering a healthy playgroup, specifically for Warhammer 40k today, go ahead and listen on. But first, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. And welcome back. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen from the sponsor for this episode. Now let's jump into the nitty gritty of everything. So let me explain to you why it is that I enjoy going through and creating this podcast, but also creating just some of these different ways to get people into the game there. For myself, a lot of times whenever I come into a hobby, um, I'm usually just kind of venturing out and trying new things. Uh, Like with Magic the Gathering, I had ventured out, I knew somebody who played the game, and I said, you know what, that seems really awesome, I think I might really want to try that. Um, He taught me how to play the game, I jumped in, I bought myself some cards and some decks, started teaching some of my really close friends how to play the game as well too. One of them was interested, the other one not so much, but we had a lot of fun getting to play that there. Uh, When it came to Dungeons and Dragons, I didn't know a single person who played Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I knew of the game. I had watched some stuff on live streams. Matt Colville had showed a lot of things there. Matt Mercer on the Critical Role. I I had seen a lot of different things when it came to Dungeons and Dragons. As I was going through with my journey with Dungeons and Dragons, I came across 40k on some different things. I said, you know what? This universe seems really awesome. I don't know a single person who has ever played it. And heck, most of my friends that played Magic and played Dungeons & Dragons had never even heard of Warhammer 40k. So this was a challenge that I had to undertake myself. And I want to share with you some of the things that I feel like have been successful with me starting and fostering my playgroup. Not saying that it's perfect by any means. And you may have a different way about going to it there. But this is how I went through and started with absolutely nothing with 40k and getting a little bit of something. I stopped first and thought to myself, okay, well, what do I actually need to play this game? Now, I've mentioned this on previous episodes, um, but you know you're going to need the dice. You're going to need your measuring tools. You're going to need some models, the rules to play the game there. Um, That's the materialistic side of things. There's also a mental or emotional capacity that you need to have for this game as well, too. But right now, I'm just going to kind of focus a little bit on the materialistic things there. So when it comes to dice, I highly recommend, I would say, have at least like two dice per model that you're going to be using for the game, or at least per model with a specific weapon. So if you have a group of, you know, intercessors with bolt rifles, if that's how you're teaching people how to play the game or you're doing it yourself there, 
you know they can possibly get rapid fire shots off there. So I would say, hey, have two dice for each of your intercessors. That way, when you and your buddies are playing together and you're teaching you how people how to play, you can just boom, roll the dice out there for your hits, boom, roll the dice out there for your wounds, and then saving throws as well, too, if it comes down to it. So have the dice on hand. Don't expect your friends to have these things when they are introduced into the game. The other thing you're going to want is measuring tools. So be it a tape measure or rulers or the flimsy little rulers that come in the starter box, use those things. It's really helpful and useful. For the longest time, I used those rulers out of the starter boxes that I got from First Strike and No No Fear. Came in really helpful and I still use them today as well because they can get into different nooks and crevices that, you know, we weren't able to do with a tape measure very easily. You're going to need some models as well too. And this is where the big kind of focus here i want to really let you guys know here i highly recommend having two smaller forces at the least if you are the one that's going to be going through and teaching new people how to play and you're going to be fostering a play group so if you're bringing new people into the game say you and your buddy have been playing for a long time you're like oh yeah your buddy decided to invite his best friend over have that extra army alongside so you can kind of allow him to be a part of that game and learn how to play as well too it's no different than having a, another character sheet for D&D written up there or having another deck for magic the gathering this is the same thing have some models for your friends that you're teaching how to play in the game now i recommend have at least two smaller forces at the least but if you only have one army there split up one army as long as they're distinct enough there i would aim for at least two units but as long as you can tell oh these are my units i'm using and these are your units they're using that's the big part if you're playing a full ultramarines army you're playing with those smurfs the blue boys there you may go through and say all right well i have these intercessors you know they're intercessors here's my captain you know he's a captain oh you get the reavers on this side over here and you might get to have you know the inceptors or something along those lines for your opponent you, you don't know as far as it's really up to what models you have but as long as you and your player that you're teaching how to play the game can tell your armies apart that's the big part there the other thing you're going to need materialistic wise is the rules um so whether or not it's the like the core hardback rule book um it's a pdf of the core rules that you can get for free or um maybe it's the little you know the companion tournament guide that has the different rules in there for you the basic rules you can utilize those um, or even if it's like a little starter book rule set that you got out of the starter set those things all really help out by having them in place and i'd recommend having them on hand especially if you're newer to the game and especially if you're teaching somebody how to play the game it's nice to have it out there so you can just go through each of the phases and say hey guess what we're in our command we've got our psychic we've got our shooting we've got our charge we've got our fight phase we've got our morale phase now it's really easy just to be able to flip that book and say, hey, we're in this one, we're in this one, we're in this one, and you can reference back there. So have rules on hand. And again, also have data sheets on hand for each of the models you're using. Whether or not it's in that core book that you have, or if it's its own separate data sheet cards, like you got out like the first strike box, or if it's directly from Battlescribe and you just have them printed out there, have those on hand for you and your player that you're teaching on hand. Um, the other thing too you're going to want to admit is a mission. Um, now this can be a mission from that core rule book there, or it can be from that PDF because I believe they give you the only war mission, which is a great one to start off with there. 
or have your own homebrew missions as well too. I prefer the homebrew mission side of things there because I can really break down how to teach the game in different ways. If you got a starter set, they're fantastic because they're a little bit of a narrative mission, but it is also a mission intended to teach people how to play the game there. I highly recommend go with those ones if that's what you have there. You're also gonna need a playing space be at the kitchen table, be at the garage, or once things open up after COVID-19 is all done, maybe it's your LGS on a table there. Make sure that you're doing what you need to as far as social distancing and everything, what you guys are comfortable with there, but you need to have a place to play Warhammer 40k. Um, or even if you're going kill team, you need to have a place to play kill team there. Um, but I recommend having a hard surface. Playing on the floor can be a little bit difficult, especially if you're up and moving and you're trying to get things going through. If you have pets or kids, you may have a hard time. So having a table space is real nice there. Um, and then finally, you're going to want to have some terrain or a game mat. Now, the terrain, there's tons and tons of terrain you can buy from Games Workshop. It is a little bit pricey, but you can also go the poor hammer route um, where you can go through and make your own terrain out of recycled bits of like cardboard and bottles and everything. That's personally what I have done um, is I don't have a single piece of terrain outside of like the boxes that came with the starter sets. That's the only thing I have from Games Workshop. Everything else terrain wise has been built by my hands at my garage and my house off of recycled stuff there. So have some terrain, I would say at least a few pieces, like maybe four or five, depending on the space you're playing with there and have some fun with it. Um, I also recommend having maybe a game mat as well too. If you got the starter sets, you probably got a game mat. Um, so like the one you got from the no, no fear first strike box, they have little printed designs on there too, to say, Hey, this is actually a crater that you can give plus one to your saving throws. That's an option for you as well too, but you don't need that. You can just play on your glossy brown or black countertop that you have, or your, um, your kitchen table as well too, and just have the terrain out there to help lock line of sight. You can even use trash and different other things as well too. My buddy Alex and I, we were playing in his apartment on some countertop space. It wasn't a huge space, but we were able to use some different cups and glasses and boxes that he had to be able to go through and represent our cover. So when it comes to terrain, you don't have to have these special fancy Warhammer specific terrain. It does look cool if you have it, but that's not necessarily something that you need to have. Now, jumping over from the materialistic side of things there, what you need to have as somebody who is going to be running your play group or fostering that play group, what you need to have mentally and emotionally prepared as well too. One of the biggest things you need to have is an eager to teach attitude. You are going to be probably teaching people that have never maybe touched dice before, never played a game like Warhammer 40k before. Um, so you need to be willing to teach them and work with them as well too. What that means is <clears throat> you may need to have a willingness to slow down on things maybe allow them to ask you questions or you go back and review the rules and maybe do some explanation as far as the why a rule works there, why benefit of cover might work for a certain unit at a certain location on the spot on the board, why a heavy weapon might end up decreasing your accuracy or why you can assault, you know, and still shoot with some weapons, but you can't, you know, with others there. You need to have that eagerness to teach and you need to have the willingness to slow down there. And with that, I would say you need, you need to probably have a somewhat working knowledge of the game. 
this part, that's not super necessary, but I recommend if you have it, you're going to have a leg up there because if you understand how things work, you're going to be able to explain to other people there. The job where I work right now, I have to be on top of all the different digital features, our products, our services, and everything along those lines. And so for myself, if I personally use it there, I can go through and and I understand it, I can go through and then explain to somebody a whole lot easier by helping them walk through it or show them how to do it. Most people are visual learners. Most people need to be hands-on and doing it themselves as you're going through and working with them. And while you're going through and teaching somebody, you're also going to be learning yourself as well too and really ironing out some of those different spots where you may have some questions yourself. The other thing you may really want to have mentally and emotionally is a willingness to lose. Now, I'm not saying go out and lose your games or make sure that whatever player you're playing with, they win their first game. It may not work out that way. You might just win or they might win, but you need to be able to take that L when it comes because when your player is going through, people inherently do want to win. It doesn't matter if somebody's going through and saying, oh, I'm not competitive at all. Oh, I don't care if I win or lose. The whole reason you play games is to win in the first place. Yes, you want to have fun, but In most cases there, it feels good to win. So you need to be able to have the willingness to lose there. And when it comes to that, I'll explain what I mean by that. So when I was playing Magic the Gathering and I was teaching some of my friends earlier on, this was a personal side for me where I was having a hard time um, playing with one of my friends. We were having an argument a little bit though in the middle of a game about how the keyword um, indestructible works. And he had some arguments as far as, oh, well, this is how indestructible works. And then I had some arguments about, oh, no, this is how it worked as well, too. I don't exactly remember all the details of it itself there, but I remember I was in the wrong um, when we were doing it. And the whole reason I was in the wrong, but I was defending it is because like, well, if he actually does get rid of my guy, I'm screwed. If I remember correctly, I think he was exiling one of my um, indestructible creatures is what was going on there. And uh, I said, no, 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 you can't do that because that's essentially getting rid of it there. Um, And I was trying to go back to specifically, oh, well, it says you can't destroy this creature. But then I tried to use old Oracle text and all kinds of other things, almost like I was a lawyer, you know, trying to defend my case for my life and just say, oh, well, no, you can't get rid of this guy because um, that's not how the rules work and everything. And so even though you had the exile effect, my guy can't be destroyed or really taken out of the game or anything that's the unfortunate side as far as pridefulness got in the way there. And I've worked very hard to try and like kind of come back from that as well too. And that's why I find it really important to have a working knowledge of the game, but also have that, I guess, humility and the willingness to lose on some cases there, because if you're going through, you're probably not going to know all the rules perfectly. If you're starting off and you don't have an LGS to go to, and maybe you are teaching some friends along the way there, you're, you may have, you may be wrong. You know, you just have to accept that fact. So having willingness to lose there on these small things or even on the grander scale as well, too, you need to have that. Um, because when you're going through and playing a game, is it more fun to win or is it more fun to lose? Ask yourself that question. Now think about it in the perspective of your player that's playing with you, your friend. Do you think they're going to have more fun if they're winning or do you think they're going to have more fun to lose? And usually if people are winning in a game, they're like, I'm super stoked. I really enjoyed this. But I've also had some instances where I was like, you know what? I've lost that battle, but I had a ton of fun. There was a lot of back and forth. And even though I lost, 
it was an exciting and engaging game. And I saw the spots where I did win on some things and lost. My buddy Alex and I, we played a game there where ultimately I won the game points wise, but his Liam and Russ tank took out several of my units. He took out my eliminator snipers. He took out my inceptors with that one tank. And for him, he's like, listen, man, I won because like I took out all your guys. You may have won the points, but I won that victory right there. And that's the important part is, you know, also look at the victories and be able to point that out to your, your friend as well, too. It's like, you know, listen, I may have won strategically, I may have captured the most points. I may have hit the most secondary objectives or whatever, but you did all these things, which was awesome and right. And really congratulate them on that stuff there too, because it's important. And that's the cool thing about 40 K is it's more than just a, a win or lose. It's, there's a lot that goes into the game narratively and open play wise, you know, and with the models and everything along those lines too. So that's a big key piece you need to have mentally and emotionally. Um, And then the other thing I would say is you need to have the ability to break the game down into teachable parts. And now this is probably going to be the longest section of it all here because I have some different ways and experiences that I've done this here. Um, But it's really important there. But don't forget the rest of the points that I've said before because they all are important. This one's just going to take maybe a little bit longer to explain. So whenever I'm talking about, you know, breaking the game down into teachable parts here, I will start off by saying if you were one of those that you did go out and you bought the starter box, regardless of his like the new recruit or the elite edition or the command edition there, you're going to be set up pretty well with a nice kind of little rules packet that will teach you how to play the game. For myself, I loved First Strike because it taught me how to play the game. Yes, I had understrength units that kind of sucked a little bit, but I learned how to do every single phase in the game minus the psychic phase out of that little box and what they provided me. Those starter sets, they'll have everything that you need materialistic wise. They'll have everything you need to help you out with your mental and emotional toll it will take to teach the game because they have the instructions to break it down there. I used my first strike little book that had four missions in it that taught people how to play almost like a Bible or like a college textbook that you actually used. Um, So if you have one of those, I highly recommend doing that there. But let me break it down for those of you that don't actually have it um, either in possession or you don't care to use it there. The first thing I would say is whatever you decide to do, make sure that the different way to break the game down is applicable to the armies you're using death guard using pox walkers is going to be different than if you're using space marine intercessors who are going to be different than if you're using the gray knights who are going to be different than if you're using um, the adeptus mechanicus or if you are using the um, the orcs or the Tau. each army has their own different strengths and abilities some of them have weaknesses some of them have strengths some of them have things they can't do at all um, so keep that in mind when you're going through and using it but For me, I like to kind of rely a little bit on my D&D background as a dungeon master. I would go through and I would create narratives and campaigns and encounters for my players to go through and enjoy. Same thing kind of can work here. If you wanted to stretch those creative muscles a little bit or even just put a little bit of effort that way there, utilize narrative missions to help teach your players how to play the game, Um, narrative or open play. 
to be honest with you. I personally, I love match play. Don't get me wrong. I think that's one of the best ways to play the game. And I had an episode that talked about that earlier, but using the narrative missions is a great way to break down the rules for newbies. Whether you're the newbie teaching other newbies how to play or you're a season and you're teaching new people how to play, it's going to be super helpful if you follow these steps. The first of which is you need to start with the move, shoot, and depending on the armies, your charge and fight phase. I would highly recommend only using one unit, preferably a troop versus a troop for each player there. But you can also do an HQ versus HQ, but I feel like it makes things a little bit more difficult because HQs have a lot more going on with them than a normal troop would. Not to mention, it's kind of hard to say, hey, here's one model, that's just all you have to worry about, and now we're going to throw you a troop where now you have to worry about five, six, ten models in that one troop to have to deal with there. I feel like if you start off with teaching them with a full troop unit, you're going to have a much easier time showing them the rest of the ropes of the other parts of the game. Um, After you go through and you've started with the move and the shoot and the charge fight, if you go into that there go through and add another unit to your mission. You want to teach their abilities while reinforcing the previous troop and phases and add in the remaining phases here. Then I would recommend playing like a deathmatch scenario, adding another unit if you want to or if you're able to, and then have a warlord selected if you have something that you can select as a warlord. So include the warlord trait inspiring leader and then also maybe add like a turn clock saying, hey, you have five turns at the end of the fifth turn. Whoever has the most models gone or whoever has the most models left standing wins this. Um, and then finally, piece it all together and play a full blown mission with any models you wanted to add on top of it and focus on the primary objectives or secondary objectives found on the mission there. Don't overwhelm yourself and don't overwhelm your opponent that you're teaching how to play this game there. That's the hard part that it comes with it. Now, whenever I was going through and I was at, I used to go to different camps and stuff, teach different games for different, you know, kids there. Something that was taught to me in my kind of training for that was it's very good to start off and teach the basics of a game and then add some stuff to it as you go through. Um, Because if you make the game too complicated, there's going to be way too many rules for people to try and have to remember. But if you start in pieces and start with the most fundamental pieces there, you can start adding those extra things into the game. makes it more fun, more enjoyable, and helps them pick up on it pretty well and helps reinforce the core of the game as well too. The biggest thing that I found is 40k, when it comes to the core of it, is if if you have the moving and the shooting, and in some cases there, the charging and the fighting, that's really all you need to get people interested in playing and rolling some dice there. For the longest time, whenever I was just playing by myself and just kind of learning the ropes of the game, I was like, wow, I know these things there, and it feels like the full-fledged game. Once I added in the psychic phase, once I had some psychers, once I added in the morale phase, you know, once I figured out how morale worked, and once I added, which changed from 8th and ninth, so keep in mind whatever rules you're using, stay on top of that, but when, and then once I added the command phase with the different stratagems and tactics you can use there, and just added a lot more enjoyment to the game. Now when you're going through and teaching somebody how to play, focus on those three things. Focus on how to move. And throw in the, you know, the additional stuff like advancing, you know, if you advance, you can't, you know, charge in some cases, you can't shoot or whatever, unless you have assault, explain those things to your opponent that's playing, 
and also explain it to yourself as well if you, you don't know how that works there. But, you know, once you do that, you have the huge part of the game under wraps. And from there, that will continue to tread through the rest of your missions you go through. Um, so, for instance, let me give you an example. So, at the first strike box, they had a four-mission structure. They said, hey, your first thing you're going to do here, you have two small units of Poxwalkers on one side that's what one player controls. They can't fight in this one. They can only move. And all they're trying to do is escape off the edge of the board. If they do, they're pretty much they win the game. Then you have your intercessors. Their job is to contain. They got to go through. They can move and they can shoot. Both players will learn how the move and shoot phases work during this time there, which is spot on there. So whether or not your opponent is doing the moving and shooting or they're just doing the moving, they're going to learn how ballistic skill works. They're going to learn how saves work. They're going to learn how the special rules work with it there. You know, then you go on and then once you add the charge and the fight phase to it there, like they did in the second mission, um, you're going to learn to say, hey, I can still move and shoot like I did before, but now we also can charge and we can fight, which is really going to be nice. And you can do overwatch as well too, which really helps you with teaching the fundamentals of the game. Then you jump in the other section there. Now you can do, you put some of your units together and get to play a bit more of a game for them. You had to go through this time around the space Marines had to get to the other side of the board. And by doing that, they were able to go through, they can use their movement. They can use their shooting. They can use their fight phase to try and get where they needed to go. Death guard was doing the same thing, just trying to stop them. And then, you know, finally you kind of went through a kind of a death match mission in that book where it said, Hey, now let's put almost all of your models together. Actually, no, you did put all your models together in one last kind of scenario that said, this is just kill each other. You know, you take everything that you've learned here and just go to town on killing each other. And then the final bit there, they said, okay, well, now that you've learned out of those missions, how to play the game, um, those four missions, now you can go through and play only war, which is where you kind of piece it all together. You added the morale phase to it as well. And you added the warlord traits to it as well. For me, I say four missions is a pretty good structure to get into. I think it's pretty nice to say, hey, you've got just a quick little mission to start off with to really teach you the fundamentals and basics. Then you get to add a little bit more, but reinforce the stuff you already taught, add a little bit more, reinforce the other stuff you just worked with as well too. And that really cements almost like muscle memory, how to go through and play the game there for you and your friend. So that is uh, how I would break down the game for newbies. For myself, I went through and used my narrative aspect once teaching my buddy Alex how to play with his Imperial Guard. I was using the Death Guard to be his opponent. I started off and said, hey, you're playing with your one troop, which is the Imperial Guardsmen, just the 10-man squad, going up against a group of pox walkers that I was controlling. My goal was to go through and kill at least half of his guys, so kill five of his troops, and then also be within range of a building that was holding supposedly civilians. His goal was to eliminate my pox walkers, make sure he didn't lose half of his guys. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward. He didn't have to move unless he wanted to, but he learned how to go through it and use the shooting, use the shooting with some special weapons, and also using some melee and some fighting in that instance. Then we went through, added another model. I added his Lord Commissar to it there, so that way he can go through and he had the voice of command, so he was able to give out orders. 
actually no, yeah, it was a company commander. He was able to give out orders, which was nice. So he learned how that specific HQ unit worked in conjunction with his troops unit, gave him something extra that he can learn how to play with there. And we kind of filled out the rest of it there. And it was his guys versus my plague Marines that were coming at him. And then from there, we added a few more extra units to it. Um, he was able to add some more of his guys and I was able to add some more of my guys. And then we played a full fledged game where he had his tank and he had all of his guys on the battlefield. And I had my 500 point army just like he did as well too. So that really helps out with the game as far as breaking it down in those pieces there, making it teachable, but really just helping reinforce it there. And this doesn't just work for 40K, but this works for any game you're trying to teach. Keeping it small and focus on those core principles, like for 40K, the moving, the shooting, and the charging and fighting, and then adding the other rules and the other faction pieces to it there too. Don't overcomplicate it there, but start small and kind of work up to it and that's going to help you with going through and fleshing out. So now Alex knows how to use voice of command. He knows how to move and shoot and advance and knows which guys he can use for different situations. So it's pretty awesome in that route there. But really focus it on whatever armies you're teaching people to play with. Be able to have it for both sides there. And then after you get that taken care of, once you have at least one other person that you can deem as your play group, so like my buddy Alex and I, we can utilize them to help teach and bring other players to the group. You know, I have another buddy that's Chris is his name, and we're adding him to the game as well, too. He's learned how to play at least the basics. He learned from some different missions that I made for his specific army that we got him set up with. And, you know, hopefully we can get to a point where we can kind of get together again and do kind of like an arch enemy style game where two of the players are running smaller armies versus one larger army. So in my instance, I can run my thousand point Adeptus Astardes list versus their two smaller 500 point lists. Or we can even drop it down to where maybe I'm running 500 points or Alex is running 500 points. And then two, the other two are running 250 point lists a piece there. Um, that way, everybody still gets to kind of play the game together. They still get to kind of hone in on the rules and learn a little bit and make sure it works together. And then we all get to have some fun as well, too. So with that, we're going to end the episode here. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, reach out to us at the JHM Special on Twitter or the JHM Special at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you have to think about the episode. Um, if you had some questions or things you wanted me to touch on about fostering a healthy playgroup, I'd love to share my experiences with you and share some of the ways that I think that would be great for you to also do the same thing as well. You can also find me at the Real JHM just about on every social media platform that there is. And uh, I really look forward to hearing from you guys for the next episode as well. Thanks so much. You have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the battlefield.